The ocean is on fire. We're under attack by the bosses. Several Tory MPs are having more sex than me. Everything's going on, but at least we've got video games. The one shining light. The one shining beacon. In all of society. Worlds where we can pretend we're not on our own. Welcome to the Nerd Angle Geek podcast, episode 63. It is Saturday, the 3rd of July, 2021. (laughs) Uh, You are joined by your host, Cal Doughty, and also, as always, everybody's friend and no-sex-haver, Scott Hunter. (laughs) Hello. (laughs) Scott, how does it feel? I I have it in my life, you know. How does it um how does it feel knowing that there is someone out there who looks like Matt Hancock who can yeah. uh who's, dist- who's <laughs> be had, with who's had multiple partners had an affair at once <laughs> <laughs> uh, Just, uh, how, how does that how does that feel I feel like it was all for nothing I felt why did I even stay inside for all that time <laughs> yeah. why did I do my part yeah it's 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 an absolute travesty. Oh, I'm going to go and wank out the window. <laughs> Viewer discretion, please do not wank out the window. Uh, the Geek Podcast. Then it's been an interesting couple of weeks. Um, how how have you been? Let's let's move on to positive yeah, things. Been, how, how have you been doing? Been fine. I've just been busy. I've been doing research. I've been. It's been warm. I've been unsatisfied and warm. Yeah. I've yeah. Unsatisfied um, that, and warm could describe many could things. Could be our podcast name. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Uh what have you been doing? What have I been doing? Oh, like I said, I've been researching, I've been going to Reading to the BBC archives there and doing some document research. That's fine, that's progressing. I've been uh, I went out, there was a demo last week, a demonstration yep. in Parliament. That was all right. Did I tell you about that? No, you didn't. You I, my report? I, I've not heard of Oh, it was, so, quick, quick demo report, quick action report. Uh, it's a demo, it's called by the People's Assembly, which is the activist wing of a trade union congress, which is like an inter-trade union organisation. They call it a demo this time every year, uh, always on a different platform. And this year's platform was demand a new normal, whatever that means. <laughs> uh, so yeah. basically, I I went out there recruiting with the Socialist Party. Uh, we knew attendance wasn't good. We're like we knew with something as general as this, it wasn't going to be that big. Like it had about five to ten thousand people there, which for a central London demonstration is pretty small, uh, to be honest. Yeah, but if you consider like the Palestine protests. Attracted like a hundred thousand plus. Oh right, like okay. those. Yeah. So like for for central London, like five to ten k is pretty small numbers for considering that like all the biggest trade unions were involved as well. Yeah, is is pretty small. Uh, but we wanted to kind of reach. Um, we and we knew most of the attendees we predicted would be, um, how should I say, activist types. Mm. Uh, and. I think that was quite correct. Like most of people, there are more of us than there were actual protests. I think more people recruiting for left-wing organisations yeah. than there were actual people turned out. Uh, I mean, is, good- is there is there much benefit to protesting with such a general sort of direction? No, like, what, what, what's what's the not really, goal? Not there? really. I've got to say, um, like we weren't really there to. I mean, we were there to to support the the protests, I guess, because it was generally 
stuff we would agree with, but just vague. Uh, but we were more there to just try and spread our ideas and try and reach, um, we, like, we knew there'd be some NHS um, contingents there and um, some sort of young um, working class type activists there as well. So we wanted to try and reach them if we could. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it was, and we had some good conversations with some people. Uh, that was nice. Uh, but overall, I think the process is a bit naff, really. <laughs> as you can imagine, with something as general as this, it attracted a whole grab bag of issues. So yeah, there was a it, lot of um, a lot of free Palestine people there. So many, so a big Palestine turnout. Well, a relatively big Palestine turnout. But it looked like a, just another Palestine demo, but smaller. Yeah. Um, there were some NHS pay rises um, causes, which was great. Um, we wanted to talk to them. And the then prob- you had the a problem with like having issues. all of this, like this grab bag of issues in one place yeah. is that none of them then ultimately like there's no there's no benefit to this. It's it's not like anyone's yes, necessarily exactly. going to listen to it, right? The, the, it's the just the chance people was to very, meet each other was pretty vague. It was mostly an event to basically um, turn out like hobbyist activist types. Like a, like, a, um, like a comic con, but for protests. Yeah, quite exactly. So anyway, we went, we, um, you know, we, we tried to reach for people that we could, uh, who we thought would be good fighters and, um, you know, were, were there to, ha- were serious about sort of change and to try and say, look, you, change is good, but let's do it in a more organized way. Yeah. Why not the Socialist Party? Um, yeah, so it was, it was fine. Um, there was... Nearby, uh, uh, like a uh, anti-lockdown protest, yeah. uh, attracted I think about ten times the numbers. I um, <laughs> I love the anti-lockdown were... protests. Not not in terms of like being part of them or supporting them, but just in the idea that they're choosing now that um, lockdown is ending. Yeah. to start protesting they, lockdown. They were weirdly more receptive to our ideas. Really, <laughs> I think. Um, uh, what what I found with your anti-lockdown people is that it was a real mix. Like we do know that there are some pretty right-wing elements among them, yes. but also a lot of them were actually quite receptive to socialist ideas. And I think the impression I got was a lot of them were kind of angry in the sense that they can tell something is wrong with society but they don't know quite what yeah so weirdly they so actually i think it's, it was quite a fertile ground for for spreading some socialist ideas they seem quite receptive to it so um might try again uh try, try and reach some of the anti-lockdown crowd what's who what's because good think- about um the anti-lockdown crowd people is the reason they're involved in it is because they're um suckers so it's it's is I imagine they're quite easy to reach with anything that you decide to put uh, I that don't way. I think I think it's a combination. I mean, some of them maybe. I think a lot of them is more generally like they are bored with a lot of them. <laughs> yeah, um, and when also, I'm bored, I watch but, a film or something. But also, like it's a combination of that, like having time on their hands, and also I think a general sense of like they can tell like something is deeply wrong with society, but they just don't. And, the, and the people that got to them first were like the Lawrence Fox yeah. types who so were like, I, I oh, what's wrong like with it. society is the government's got you under a muzzle and you're sheep. Yeah, so um, I do feel like a lot of them might be quite receptive, so it might be uh, might be interesting to try and go along with people. I would agree with you. I, I, think, I think these are these are people who um, their main outlet for like this this other news that you don't see in like the the media um is has been like the face facebook groups and a lot of those are typically sort of right-wing focused uh misinformation uh which which they 
latch on to because it is the only sign of something different to what they're used to. Yeah. And so I think so it, being able to reach yeah. them with better ideals before that gets ingrained in their head, it could only be a good thing. Yeah, so that that might be something we do in the future uh, to try and, um, you know, not not join the anti-lockdown process really, but kind of set up our stall and try and, and try and um, reach out to a few people there. You should try uh, and so create, anyway. you should create like, a, like a fake right-wing-ish Facebook page <laughs> to lure them in. And then when they Very get good. in, it's suddenly like, oh, actually, socialism. Mm. Give it a so that, that's my report on my People's Assembly demo. It was, uh, we, we had some good conversations and that made it worth it, I think, on that front. That's good. Uh, so yeah, that's good. Um, also, I'm going to do a, a signal boost, they call it. Um, there's going to be a trans rights protest, which was um, co-organized by Laura Dale, who oh, yeah. is a um, video game journalist. I saw it on her YouTube because I like her work. Um, 6th of August, um, 1 p.m. Downing Street, there's going to be a trans rights protest, and I'm probably going to be there with some some Socialist Party comrades. And yeah, come along if you are in London and um, want, and you should want to support trans rights. So come. Absolutely. Um, 6th of August, 1 p.m. Downing Street. It is a Friday, so uh, some people have work, I'm sure. But if you are free. Um, <laughs> if, you're, if you don't if have you're, work, we can get the day off, I suppose. If your schedule is flexible, like mine is, yeah. then you might be able to come. Uh, is that, That's so, uh, Laura K. Buzz on Twitter, right? Laura K. Buzz on Twitter as well. You can. She's co-organising it, I think, so you can uh, check out her social media as well, and you'll find it there. Uh, cool. So the, that's some political stuff. Uh, sorry, it's... gamers. Yeah, Get yeah. Political, not uh, political at all, of course. Games uh, are political, Scott. Keep your politics oh away God. from our video games. Uh, I want to. So, I want to play Final Fantasy VII, where there's no politics about saving the world from no, uh, yeah, a company no, who's who's the destroying the environment or, or anything. anything like that. Final Fantasy VII is all politics right. free. What have you been up to? Um, I have been working too much and trying to keep my brains inside my head uh for, for those I, I might i'm not sure, I'm not sure if i talk, have I talk, i've talked about anxiety on the podcast before i'm sure um i'm back on medication for my anxiety and so a side effect of that medication in the first few weeks is increased anxiety so i am currently trying to keep a handle on that while also doing my day-to-day life um, and it's 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 tricky. So I, I'm currently going for a bit of insomnia. Uh, so I'm just spending a lot of my time fairly tired and fixating, hyperfixating on on things to be anxious about. Which is why I went on this medication in the first place. Which is a funny old side effect, but that should hopefully die down in the next week or so. I'm I'm told. I hope I could really do with it uh, dying down soon. Um, otherwise, just working and playing some. Video games, watching some stuff, you know, the usual. My brother moved up uh, and moved in with me for a bit, so we've been hanging out. Oh, and, and, yeah, I'm he's he's, he's in Manchester now for, for a job, uh, and he'll be okay. living with me until the end of July when he moves into his new place. So it's been fun. It's if been... I got a job in Manchester, could I live with you for a bit? Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we've, we've got a spare room, so it, it, absolutely. It could be a whole sitcom. People just, keep, there different people just different people just keep moving in with me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, so he's been um living with me for a bit, so that's nice to actually have some family around because I've not really seen much family for a long ass time now. Um and that's it's good. I I like it. So that's been my 
couple of weeks beyond actually playing and watching things. Uh, should we talk about what we've been playing and watching? Yeah, go on, man. And we do do that on oh, this I podcast. Have been. Yeah. <laughs> by the way, I realised that by saying keeping my brains in my head, um, I mean metaphorically. Not, not. <laughs> there's, there's no intent here to do anything, anything bad. Um, I realised after saying it what that could also sound like, and that's, that's not where I'm at at all. It's, it's, it's. Cal's fine. Uh, what have you? Been, this is a weird podcast. What are you playing, Scott? What's going on? Yeah. All right. I've got some tabletop things to talk about oh yeah i've not really played many video games apart from doom again i'm back on another doom which doom uh, doom 1993 oh yeah doom eternals just had a next gen update which i might give a go at yeah that's good game Carry maybe on. i anyway. should go back and play that but not before i keep playing doom 93 <laughs> good game what uh, um tabletop games you all right the new edition of warhammer age of sigma is out the third edition so you know what Warhammer is? Kind of. It's a tabletop. It's a tabletop war game. I still so, don't really know how it's played. I th- we might have discussed it previously, but I've got I, it's... two armies, and it's um, yeah, you've got two armies, and you you've got a mission, variety of missions, objectives in the current edition, and you want to score points by taking objectives and fight each other. Is it a like a physical version of like a turn-based strategy game? Uh yeah, kind of. Okay, I can I yeah, can understand but that. On, on like it on like an army level, so it's not like a grand strategy game. It's a, no, I mean I mean like a um it, like a like your advance wars or something. Yeah. Okay, yes. I can I can understand that then. All right, you I can understand. It. It's like it it's like video games. Like it's like, <laughs> it's like video games. Oh, that's how I understand it. Got it. <laughs> so, um, so Age what's, of Sigma. What's is the third the, edition the of Age of Sigma? Uh, they really. Games Workshop has brought out a new addition to Age of Sigma, which is their fantasy game. It's what you may think of if you think of Warhammer. Uh, yeah, it's third edition. Lots of changes to the game now. Oh, yeah. I've played um, a couple of test games, uh, so going to share my impressions on it. Yeah, I've, I've enjoyed it. One of the major things that they changed with the third edition is they've got more like reactive stuff. So, you know, you take it, the game works. You take your turn. Your opponent takes his turn. Oh, her turn, etc. Uh, and it used to be that when your opponent takes their turn, you pretty much just turn off. There's not much you can do yeah. while they're taking their turn. So it used to be quite back and forth. Like, you take your turn, and then it's like 15 minutes. You're just stuck observing. Oh, now so turns a last more... a while. Turns last quite a while, especially you know, the bigger your army is. Yeah. Because they've got more stuff to do. Turns can last a while, depending on like how, how much you're doing, etc. So... Yeah, and how big you're if your opponent has an army like a lot of models or just like a few high value models, it can definitely change. Uh, but now there's a lot more reactive stuff in there. So you can, uh, every turn, whether it's you or your opponents, you get to do some actions with like your hero models and you get to do some actions with your monster models if you've got them, which is cool. And you've got more like commands you can issue, special abilities you can use in your opponent's turn. So it's much more reactive. And I found that really great. It's nice to be able to, like, um, you know, you can, if your opponent moves too close to you, you can, like, spend a command point to, to move around a bit, yeah. maybe, and all that stuff. I've, I've really enjoyed it. I thought the, the new reactive abilities have added a lot of, a lot of back and forth to the game. So we, uh, you, you say, you say yeah. it depends on like, how big someone's army is, is how long their turn lasts. Yeah. Is your army just as big as how many models you have? Uh, or is so there a limit to it, like? Is it like decks where you so, can only have a certain number? 
Yeah, so army, all the units in the game that you can take are costed in point values. Okay. So, and you, normally you play like a 2,000 point game or a 1,000 point game. So you, you add up like 1,000 or 2,000 points worth of models. Yeah. Um, but obviously the more points like a unit costs, the more, the better it generally is. Not always, but the better it generally is. Um, so some armies have like a smaller number of like very high value units and some you get like horde armies which have a lot of like low value units right okay etc so and all the things in between sounds good so how are uh, you and where are you playing that uh i'm playing it we actually i actually played a, a games cafe for the first time because oh, really? i had been playing at home with like my home terrain and stuff but me and my mate phil went out to a cafe rose quarter in kentish town give them a look uh not paid to say that if they were just pretty <laughs> all right uh yeah and it was fun they had like a load of terrain set up they had like a board already like formatted for it and so that was quite easy to do uh cut down on the setup time for sure and it was a lot of fun to um to play on a big old table which you couldn't fit into a regular british house probably not um how big are those yeah tables? so that was good pardon how big are those tables usually uh so for a ah this is a new aspect of third edition okay new smaller board sizes so for a 2000 point game which is kind of the standard is how most games are played um your board is now 60 by 44 inches okay so a fair uh, like five foot by um nearly um nearly four foot right 48 yeah, inches that's fairly four big foot. so yeah it's pretty big it's bigger than like most dining room tables yeah yeah definitely uh, and that's the, uh, and that's the like smaller money. version that, no that's like the standard oh that's the standard version. okay right yeah um so and i don't know what it's like to have my own house cow so maybe you can tell me but <laughs> I don't on. know how big your dining room table is. Not that big. But mine is not that big. Yeah, mine's not that big. I feel like um, you, you know, you know, owning your house doesn't make a difference to the size of table you can fit in it, right? No, but just because got... I own it doesn't mean I can have a bigger <laughs> yeah, table. That, that's fair. <laughs> uh, but I feel like I mean, so I think most games of that size in at least in London or like in Britain are like played at a lot of these like gaming clubs or yeah. community centers or like board gaming cafes i feel like that size if you're like have a big american house and you have like a basement that can yeah. fit in like a six by four table then congratulations yeah a lot of <laughs> but you, i don't have that you know i don't i don't have that like my, my house is yeah a lot massive. of british houses you're not gonna have that much space unless i guess you can get like a folding table and take it out but even so that would mean like moving your living room about yeah or your to get kitchen in. if you've got your table in there yeah yeah it's, um yeah okay exactly so anyway it was really fun um at that cafe it was good stuff and i've my army is not as good as phil's <laughs> one day how many how, day. how big's your army now how many how many figures you've my got bit, now? so we play because you've been you've been I, posting I have, on the nerd under geek instagram page yeah um you've been posting a lot of these these cursed city yes stuff is so that, is i have that the a same couple thing? of armies yes uh so cursed city was a box game um, that was it was a different game to Age of Sigmar, but you can use the models in Age of Sigmar. Yeah. So Curse City was like a more of a box board game, uh, but a lot of the models you can use as part of the Soulblight Grave Lords faction, which is new and which I do collect. So I've got a I've got a Gloomspite Gits army, which is like goblins, uh that I've got probably about two and a half thousand points of them. So yeah. 
three three and a half thousand. I think I've tried <laughs> adding up how much I've got. Oh, and also that's another aspect of third edition is pretty much points for all your models have gone up across the board. They've increased point costs for pretty much every model in order to make the game a bit smaller. So they've reduced board size. They've kind of increased point costs, which means you're going to have slightly smaller armies. Uh, they, you know, they generally want the game to be a bit smaller than what it was at the end of second edition, which right. I think is overall a good decision for the long-term health of the game. I think some people are being a bit upset. And I get that if you've got like your big army and you, you want to put them all on the table, you might be a bit annoyed that you now have to put less on the table. But it also but, makes it more accessible, right? Like, it's it more, does, smaller I, games I, also I, I was just about to say that. For yeah, because this is exactly what happened. Uh, for those of you who don't know, um, before Age of Sigma, there was, like, Warhammer Fantasy, which is, like, the, the typical, like, Warhammer old world, it's called now, Warhammer Fantasy Battles. And that got basically reset and replaced by Age of Sigma. And one of the things that killed off Warhammer Fantasy is over time... Point costs just went down and down, and um, armies became bigger and bigger until, by the end, it was incredibly off-putting to yeah. actually start a new army. Uh, so, so yeah, like you said, I uh, you, you hit the, you hit the nail on the head exactly. All of a sudden, you know, points go down over time, and all of a sudden, if you want to get into the game, you've got to buy like three hundred models. Yeah, which is both really costly and also you've got a time intensive in assembling and painting them. Yeah. So you hit the nail on the head. Actually, making the armies a bit smaller is a good decision for the long term health of the game because it does make it more accessible and allows you to get in. Um, you know, uh, with a smaller model count, less time to get them together. So, what do you reckon yeah, the price of a standard army about... is? Like, I, I, even, yeah, you... even more accessible to a point because I imagine it's still fairly expensive. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's expensive. I think we've been into this before. Like, I would say getting into like a game like Warhammer is probably as expensive as say getting into video games. Yeah, like, like getting yourself into realize that, like, thing. Yeah. like video games is a hobby. Warhammer itself is kind of an entire hobby. Yeah, yeah. You you can't be can't be so, like it's um, it's just a thing you sort of pick up. It's got to be something you put some time yeah, and money I into. Mean, yeah, it's a greater or lesser extent. You can pick up a few models and build it through time, but yeah. Anyway, um what was I say? I've got about three and a half thousand points of Gloom Spike Gits, I think, and I've got a similar amount of Grave Lords, not all painted, but I'm currently painting up my Grave Lords army. So I've been painting the Curse City and all those models I can use in the Grave Lords. And I've been painting some other Grave Lord stuff, which will go on the Instagram pretty soon. Nice. So those are the two Age of Sigmar factions that I collect. Oh, and I want to do a Giants army as well. I will. Event and that's a super elite army. That will have like six models in an army or something like that. You're chucking a lot of terms out now. You've got Grave Lords, Giants army, super uh, elite. So, yeah. What does that mean? So by, super, by super elite, I mean the, the Sons of Behemoth, which are like the Giant army, is a is an army that only has like six models in it. Oh, they're right, okay. Super so they're worth big like a lot of points. super valuable. Okay, I get it. Yeah. There's generally armies run the spectrum of like horde to elite. So horde is you have a lot of very low value yeah. models. Yeah, I get you. Uh, and then elite is like a small number of high value. And then like super elite is stuff like the giants, which are like six models in an okay. army. Could you have like one giant and then a load of horde things? Um, not in that faction. You could, I mean, oh, the factions have to work. You, 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 can't, you can't mix factions then. 
You can have allies. So okay. factions can have allies with some other, like with a select list of other factions. So you could put a bit of Horde in there if you wanted. Does it both. have to... Um, but, do, is there like a law yeah. that it has to follow as well? Like if, if you have like, say... Okay, okay. This is this is just pulling uh, it out of thin air. But you you couldn't put like elves with goblins. Or could um, you? Not in um, not normally. No, not in how it's mostly played. Okay. I mean, in the game of Warhammer, if it's just a casual game, it's whatever you and your opponent yeah, yeah, decide, of course, right? But like, offici- so you could just do that. But 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 officially, no. There are like there are select factions that you can um, ally in. Okay, that's that's cool. Yep. But one of the things, one of the things that giants do is giants um, do have like mercenaries as well. So they are they have more factions that they can they can come in as allies for more factions because they just get hired as mercenaries, which is which is fun. But yeah, that that, that that's kind of straying off topic a bit from the third edition of Age of Sigmar. I'll do it. I'll, which I'll stray is, off topic. You know, I love to go off a topic. Oh sure, it's, I'm currently waiting for my box set to be delivered as we speak. Okay. Should come this morning. Excellent. Because they've released a big box uh, to go along with it called Dominion, and I'm splitting the contents with my friend Phil. Oh, that's nice. How are you going to decide who orcs? gets what? Uh, because it's two factions in the box. So it's okay. the, the goodies, the Stormcast Eternals, which he collects, and then it's the, the new, or- like, a new faction of orcs. Uh, oh, sorry, Oryx, which is a more copyright friendly <laughs> term that okay. Games Workshop uses. Oh, that's uh, nice. <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, which, which I am going to take. I'm going to take the orc half. Okay, sorry, the orc half. What we call the orc half? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's, there's, it's and like, it's not giant with a West gargants. Country accent. <laughs> yeah, orc, and it's not giants. It's gargants. Oh, sorry. Yeah, my bad. It's it's uh... and it's not elves. It's elves with an A E L V E S. Oh fuck off, <laughs> elves. <laughs> elves. Yeah, elves. <laughs> that, they can that, copyright that. That sounds like a copyright stamp on it. Oh, were you making were you making that up? No, no, no. But it is spelled in the official. Oh, so it's, it's A E L V E S, but it's got okay, right? Yes, okay. Uh, Games Workshop has a bunch of more copyright friendly terms that they use for their <laughs> their factions because they want to differentiate their their stuff from whatever Tolkien invented. Yeah, because I think they can like claim to have like a trademark or like a copyright on it, rather than if you just call them like elves or goblins, any anyone can make elf or goblin figures. That's interesting, isn't it? It's, isn't it? A lot. I mean, a lot of this stuff, I suppose, comes from folklore originally, anyway. But it is surprising to me just how much of what Tolkien put forth has sort of become the universal fantasy stuff. Yep, he was really influential. Incredibly so. It's, I, I would argue maybe more influential than any other person in the fantasy mm. sector. Yeah, and keep in mind because Tolkien went on to influence like Dungeons and Dragons. Which yeah, exactly. had so much influence on like the tabletop space. Yeah, etc. It's crazy. Um, I get excited hearing about uh, this sort of Warhammer stuff because it, it just makes you get that yeah. that feeling of collecting, especially when you say you're going to share it with like your friend and it's stuff. Cool. Is is mm. it for some reason what came to mind for me in that that same sort of feeling was Yu-Gi-Oh cards. Just that that, that feeling of oh, excitement yeah. of like oh I'm going to buy <laughs> I'm going to buy a new deck because I think that was the. Yu-Gi-Oh! was the thing where I bought actual decks for it, you know, rather than just collecting cards like Pokemon. Yu-Gi-Oh! was my thing where I was like, oh, I'm I'm into, I want to get this specific deck. I want to get, like, Yugi's deck or, or Kaiba's deck, you know? Um, and it, it, it's just just exciting. I, I'm, I'm happy for you. That sounds fun. I did see um, in my local gaming shop, they've released, like, a Yu-Gi-Oh! Uh, I'll find it here. Uh, a Yu-Gi-Oh! set that is, like, the legendary decks from the anime. Yeah, yeah. You just look yeah. this up. Um, Yu-Gi-Oh! is still like 
big in hobbyist circles. Like it's one of the yeah, most uh, played uh, Battle Monsters card games. Is um it's most popular card game in the world. Yeah. It's which because is because it has um a, such a big following in Japan. Yeah. Um it's really popular. Um Oh, that's my door. One second. Okay. What you don't know with Scott disappearing now is that I get control. I, I know I sort of have control of the podcast anyway, but now I get full control to say whatever I want. Um, and so what I'm going to say is video games are good, actually. So there you have it. You heard it here. Video games are good. So I'm looking at Scott's thing. He's got no video games on it. Could you imagine that? The, the guy doesn't play enough of them. I play a lot of them, but he doesn't he doesn't play any. He's a fake geek. He talks about this tabletop stuff, but I think he just does that to sort of show off his geek cred a little bit, to sort of make himself seem a little bit more legitimate. He mostly just wants to talk about films, and who cares about those when you've got video games to play? Honestly, whenever you hear Scott talking in future about video games, just know he's probably played like five minutes of it. And so just enough so we can mention it on a podcast so he doesn't have to play anymore again. All right. Hello, I'm Scott. Back. Welcome. Hey, welcome back. How much of that right, did you we, hear? We can do an unboxing How much of that on did the you podcast. Hear? Uh, not much. What okay. were you saying? No, it's fine. That's okay. Let's, let's carry on with what we were talking well, about. What before. were you saying? No, it's all right. Um, you were sort of chatting shit about me, weren't you? No. Of course not. I'm behind the podcast. <laughs> You'll have to listen back to find out. <laughs> oh, my God. You, you know I never listen to this podcast. <laughs> Um, great, so that's Warhammer Age of Sigma 3rd Edition. I can do an unboxing live on this podcast if you want. Yeah, it's great for an audio-based podcast, isn't it? Like, just describe yeah. every single thing that you've got coming out to you. Yeah, we've, <laughs> we've got a lot of things to talk about, and we're currently 30 minutes in. We've uh, got a lot of things to cover. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, check it uh, out. Do you do want me to, to go next as well with another board game review? Let me jump over to my thing, and then we'll go back and forth, right. I think. Um, I, I'll do Ratchet and Clank first because I talked about that. You a bit. might hear the sounds of, of boxes being opened. Oh, you can't wait. <laughs> I can't. I'm just going to cut them open. What you you talk about Ratchet and Clank because okay. I, uh, I have I did I say it exactly last week that Ratchet and Clank was always one of those games yes. that as a kid without a PlayStation 2, I looked on it at in envy. Yeah, I um I have never really played. I played the last Ratchet and Clank game, which is the remake of the first one, and then I've played this one. Uh, yep. I thought the last one was Both fine. Both mascot platformers always appealed to me, although I never played many of them. Yeah, it's um, but Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart. I mentioned it last week that it was really good, but I've finished it now. Um, it's about twelve hours long, which might seem a little bit short for a seventy-pound game, but every one of those hours, I just had the. Oh budget. yeah, it is seventy. Pounds, it's seventy it? pounds. Um, oh my but god, having oh, very expensive, very expensive, but having finished it, I sort of feel like it's worth it. Like I don't regret More than a box of Warhammer, mate. <laughs> I don't regret having spent that much money on it. I had an absolute fantastic time with this game to the point where it might be my favorite one of the year so far. It's um it's just from start to finish just an absolutely incredibly crafted, beautiful and fun game. There's there's so much attention to detail. There's incredible animation work. It's the 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 the, the cutscenes are, are fantastic. The the, the set pieces are just brilliant. So a big part of this game is the portal thing, which I mentioned last time as well. And just later on, the stuff they do with that is just fantastic. There was like this on rails bit, which I think I posted to my Twitter, where you're like shooting all these enemies and you're jumping between worlds at the same time. So every so, every so often you get to like this crystal, you hit it and then you jump to another world and it like 
it's two different versions of the same world in different dimensions. So in one dimension, the world is completely destroyed. And so you're out in space and there's like bits of the world just floating past you while you're shooting off enemies and stuff. And then the other one is like this lava planet where it's still intact. And it's just, there's so many moments where they use this, this portal stuff to jump between places to to such a great degree. Um, It's incredibly well paced. Uh, It's a game which, once I started playing, it's there's no load times at all to speak of, like uh, because because of the the fast loading of the the PlayStation SSD, and so that means that there's never really a moment where you're like, okay, there's the break, you know? It's um, it you're you're const- it's just constantly going and snapping from place to place to the point where it's just very easy to get sucked into it and not want to put it down. I I just had an absolutely fantastic time with it. It's um. It's just so much fun, uh, so well made, and from what I understand, <coughs> what people of people from the studio, Insomniac Games, have um, have posted out that they did no crunch on this game whatsoever, like no none none at all. People were working forty hour weeks, and they would leave for the day uh, at, at like five o'clock, six o'clock, and then they'd be done for the for the day. And that comes through in just a game that just feels. It just it just feels like everyone's really put their all into it and had a great time making it. It's it it, it feels special. Okay. You know you know when yeah. a game sort of just feels special, like it just feels like this yeah. this special little thing. That's what Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart is 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 to me. Is is I had an absolutely stupendous time with it, and I'm sad that it's over. Ah, oh, well, may, maybe I would if in like three years I get a PS5. Yeah. maybe I will play it. I'd re- really recommend it. It's um, I know it's expensive. Mm. I know seventy pounds is a lot, but if it's it's the difference between this and like Game Pass, right? Is that a lot of games on Game Pass? As much as I love Game Pass, and I think it's the best value. And if you're going to go for either console, you should go for the Xbox. I tend to find I don't usually finish them, like because there's there's no real. I've not put a lot of. You know, I've not put the money down at the front of it, right? What's what's the term for that? What's the term for, you know, when you do something at the start? What? You know, when you do something that means you're more likely up to front? see up front. Like, there's no upfront cost for the games, really. Yeah. Uh, and so investment, investment. Like that's it. There's, there's no. There's I mean, no... You literally, you've inv- you've invested more money in it. Exactly. And so I, there's more of an incentive to really yeah. get involved with it and in doing so that's it's like when you're a kid and you can only get a game every now and then right um and so you really invest mm. your time into, the, into that game uh i found that i that ratchet and clank for whatever reason i felt so much more invested in it than i have done for some games on game pass probably because there's so many of them and i can just jump from game to game i'm not sure what the i suppose that is the better option ultimately um but i also really liked just being invested in a game again for a bit I think I feel like there's been a few of those this year, but I, I do tend to find that I've completed more games on PlayStation Five than I have on my Series X. Okay. I don't. I don't know what. Well, to, to some people, that doesn't matter. Like, like you, for example, Scott, you don't really complete games, so I don't really complete. And that's games. fine. You know, th- th- there's nothing wrong with that. Um, you just sort of need to get what you want out of games. So for you, like something like Game Pass makes the most sense. But I don't know. Yeah. I, th- I feel like if they, if if Seventy pounds is gonna for a real hardcore gamer like you. Yeah, it's it's gonna be. You know. I I felt like it was worth it. It's um, okay. I don't necessarily see value from games and how long they are. I I don't think Ratchet and Clank would have benefited from being another ten hours long. I think it's this perfect yeah. length thing on its own. And there's some side stuff I can go back and do if I want to, uh, to extend it a little bit. But it's just 
yeah I, if 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 it ex- it's, it feels like an expensive game because it's like as much as it's this this condensed thing there's so many different set pieces and so many different moments and so many different worlds you're constantly seeing something new like but only for like even just for the briefest of moments and that's the difference yep. that's that's what expensive games be you know they, they pack so much into it um you can't necessarily do with with uh, cheaper games i guess i mean that that comes from being sony funded and being a bigger developer but you know what i mean <laughs> I, I do know what you that's mean good now, yeah. yeah it's uh it's it, I, had a, I had a really great time with it it's um do you know what he means listener <laughs> i feel like i feel like a lot i tend book. to i tend to ramble and as i'm saying some things i'm like i'm not sure if i'm making any sense when i get excited about stuff but it's real good um, also, oh, the the side, the other characters, so Ratchet and Clank, is split into two different characters. You've got Ratchet, and you've got Rivet, which is yeah. which is his female. You don't what? You don't have Clank. You have Clank. Hey. You have Clank. Uh, so for most of the game, <laughs> Clank is with Rivet, and um, Ratchet. Excuse me. Yeah, Clank's with Rivet. The, t- <laughs> Clank's not with Ratchet for most of it, uh, and Rivet is the Lombax from another world, another dimension. She's basically this dimension's version of Ratchet because everyone has their dimensional counterparts. Oh, like in Dragon Ball Super. Like in Dragon Ball Super, yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> All right, sure. But she's actually his, like his, like him, but in this world. Uh, and you, I think I spent more time. Like I think the game spends more time with Rivet than it does with Ratchet, which is crazy. Fuck, fucked up, if true. <laughs> but I've also not seen anyone kick off about it, which I guess is a, <laughs> shows that how, how how well it's done. Because usually you get gamers going, "Oh, they forced me to play as the girl. This is wokeism. This is this is leftist ruining our games." But that's not really. Maybe I'm just I'm just not seen it. But um, I really I really enjoyed her as a character and her characterization. I'm actually quite like that. I got to play more as her than than Ratchet. But it it jumps between them quite quite effectively. Uh, there's also another uh, robot, the Clank's counterpart, called Kit, and she's very fun as well they play exactly the same there's no difference to them they just they just have different personalities it's good what's your um how's your unboxing going yeah it's good i've got i've had my age of sigma stuff delivered and some little buffs i ordered buffs from a spanish company of uh and it's going to be cool you have to wait and see to see what that's going to look like well what do you mean by buffs busts like Miniatures that like aren't used for a game or anything. They're like much larger, like top halves of people to be painted as an art piece. Okay, very cool. Uh, what's your next game? All right, Imperial Struggle, board game, much awaited spiritual sequel to Twilight Struggle. I wasn't sure if Imperial Struggle was actually a board game or if you're just talking about uh, society. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you could say that. You could say that. And I will. Did. But I'll also talk about <laughs> Imperial Struggle by Ananda Gupta and Jason Matthews, published by GMT Games. It's pretty good. So, all right. So there's a very famous board game called Twilight Struggle. It's generally, by a lot of people, you know, they tell you it's the best game of all time, including me. Uh, that's a game of a Cold War where it's a two-player game. Oh, yeah. It's the United States versus Soviet Union, and you're trying to win the Cold War and basically by putting influence into countries by playing cards. It's really good. Imperial Struggle is a I say spiritual sequel, but there are a lot of differences, and I think it's a... I wouldn't say I necessarily prefer Twilight Struggle, they're very different games. So first off, if you're sat there thinking, oh, it's Twilight Struggle 2, don't think that. It's not. <laughs> and I was. It's... 
Yeah, you were. You were. I know you were. I know you, Cal. Uh, you're right Twilight Struggle head. You are. Uh, <laughs> it's, wait, is it, Imperial it's not the same as Twilight Imperium, is it? No. Okay. Twilight Imperium is a completely different All right. Okay. It's not the same as Twilight the movie, is it? Or books? No, it's not Not the same. Okay. Although it could well take place in the same universe. Okay. The real world. <laughs> um, Imperial Struggle is a game of set in the 18th century, and it's um, about the Imperial Struggle between France and Great Britain. So it's um, it's you, you play either France, the French Empire, or the British Empire, and you are trying to dominate the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and you do that through trade, through war, and through market forces. Oh yeah, <laughs> through, through through the navy. This sounds really so fun, Scott. <laughs> all right, it's 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 good, right? It's good. I'll tell you tell, why. What is this game? <laughs> it's a bit more complex than Twilight Struggle. So what you do. Is you oh you got the game split into turns. Uh-huh. You alternate rounds, taking doing actions, and unlike Twilight Struggle, where you play cards to take your action, this time you got a bunch of common tiles which have different types of actions on, which you choose alternating off for your opponent. You also have event cards which you can play for an extra bonus, and you've got uh, a set of personal cards which you can also play for. Um, to do some like cool stuff and combos what sort of cool with stuff? your government ministers, like you can play, um, like Samuel Johnson, and he makes France a bit more ashamed of itself <laughs> because because he doesn't like France. What the if fuck are you talking jo- about? <laughs> I'm not doing a good job of explaining <laughs> this. I also but, think, oh, a cool thing. Oh, the people feel a bit ashamed. If I look at the stats for this podcast and this is where they've turned off, I'm going to murder you. <laughs> Carry on. All right. I'm not doing a good job of explaining this. I guess I shouldn't go too much into detail with the rules because you'd find that out in due course if you bought it. Uh, it's it's not going to be... Well, no. It's not, is it going to be for everyone? No, not <laughs> everyone will enjoy this game of Imperial fighting. It's... I'd recommend trying Twilight Struggle first. I'd recommend Twilight Struggle to anyone. Imperial Struggle, I'd recommend more to, like, game fans. Okay. <laughs> I'll play it again. Okay, cool. <laughs> I would love to review games solely as just, like, oh, would, would you play it again? Yeah. <laughs> yes or no. So this is a play it again, yeah? Yeah. That's a play it again out of play it again. Um, no, that sounds interesting. It, so it's another one of those sort of like uh, historical war games then? It's a historical yeah, game, yeah. yeah. I gotcha. Um, what did you... You played it with... Uh, there are wars in this one. Is it just is it just two players? It's just two players. Okay. So I'd recommend for any couple who's really <laughs> interested in 18th century history. <laughs> yeah, it sounds good. And didn't, and didn't, didn't fancy being seduced that weekend. <laughs> Well, you know, who prefers the cold embrace of Dr. Samuel Johnson to the warm embrace of her lover. <laughs> Sounds good. Um, anything else you wanted to say about Imperial Struggle? Nah, I've, I think I've, I've said enough. <laughs> <laughs> no, it sounds it sounds interesting. I'm only messing. Uh, did you ever go on the Pirates of the Caribbean? Have you been to Disney World? I've never been to Disney World, no. Have you been to Disneyland? I've never been oh, to Disneyland. I was no. hoping you would have been because no, sorry, I I've never been to a Disney theme park. Sea of Thieves has got a Pirates of the Caribbean crossover now. Uh, oh well, I don't know what that is. Do you not know what Pirates of the Caribbean is? Uh, 
I've never been to Disney World. Have you, have you seen how the movies? I no. <laughs> yeah, I've seen Okay, you've seen the movies. Yeah. How, how would I know what Pirates of the Caribbean? <laughs> well, no, what I mean, so so I've played the first part of it. So it's, it's split into four parts, um, and it sees yeah. you going to the Pirates of the Caribbean universe, or the Pirates of the Caribbean universe comes to you, either or. Um, you meet up with Captain Jack Sparrow, and you do some crazy quests with him. But the first part is a love letter to the theme park ride Pirates of the Caribbean. So it's this linear, almost replication of the theme park ride with with the sounds, like the, the sounds from the ride, the voiceovers and things. You've been to like a theme park ride where it's like themed, right? And you go through like a little thing and there's people talking at you and like the animatronics and things, surely. Yeah, you, I've been with you. Yeah. You know I have. Oh yeah, that sort of thing. Like, you know, you know it. Yeah. Um, so it's like it's like that, but in this game. And so it's just this massive love letter to the Pirates of the Caribbean ride first, rather than the, the film, because the film stuff's coming later. But this first bit, I it's it's I was playing it with a couple of friends, and we we just kept on like noticing little bits about it that were like, oh, I remember that from the ride, or I remember that from the ride. And it, it got to a point where the, the atmosphere it was creating was so perfect like replication of that ride where you could you sort of felt like oh i can sort of smell what that ride is like when when like the the water the smell of the water from the ride it's it's it was really it's really really fucking good i mean i really like sea of thieves anyway it's it's one of the games i've played the most this year it's it's been a massive surprise to me just how much i've enjoyed it but this part of the caribbean just feels like such it feels like a such a dedication of love to this to this disney ride in particular at the or the opening anyway um it's just i'd really recommend giving it a go if you've if you've not seen it it's um so they announced it i think at the the microsoft conference and it's it's a whole pirates of the caribbean adventure you meet jack captain jack you go you meet captain barbosa you you go and fight davy jones all of that stuff so the the first part ends with a a ship battle against Davy Jones's ship while Captain Jack's fighting some sea creatures on the deck and it's, it's very epic and cool uh, which is which sounded like made me sound like an old man very epic and cool uh, <laughs> but that first opening bit of just like it really surprised me with just how much care and attention was put into it because sometimes video game crossovers can feel fairly cheap you know it just feels like oh you've just got these characters skins in the game and then they're interacting with everything else but this just this feels like there's clearly a lot of like they're clearly fans of Pirates of the Caribbean and, and everything that that means and it made me just very I don't like nostalgia, but it did make me very nostalgic for for that that particular time in my life where I went to Disney World with like my parents and things, and and getting to go on that Pirates of the Caribbean ride and just being this this enraptured by the imagination of it all, uh, and it, it really brought me back to that. It, it feels full of imagination in in a way that most Disney stuff doesn't. I think uh, a lot of this stuff feels very cynical in in terms of its nostalgia now, whereas this doesn't feel that way from the first part of it anyway i imagine the later ones when it goes more into like the film versions of it all probably will do because i mean those films go places and it's not they're not particularly great um the first one's really good but the, i think the second and third parts of the caribbean films are fine it, 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 wait there's five of them now isn't there there's loads yeah yeah it just kept going um so yeah, it's it's. I'm less interested in that stuff, but that that first, I just wanted to bring up that first 
bit for anyone who's been on the Pirates of the Caribbean ride who has like a strong memory or fondness for it. The Sea of Thieves really does it justice, and it's is very cool. Um, yeah, just wanted to bring that up. You've seen some movies. I've seen some movies. It's time for Scott's movie review. All right, Scott's First movie up. review. I want. I want like. Don't a, tell how do I make like a, a camera noise? You know, we're we're gonna have a running theme uh, this session, which is movies that start out as one movie and end up as another movie, oh, a all, much worse oh, movie. Oh, you mean all Marvel movies? <laughs> yeah, and also several movies here. Step one, <laughs> step one, movie one. Step one. Don't <laughs> don't tell a soul. Don't tell a soul. Wait, is, is that the name don't of the film, all. or you just don't want us to repl- repeat this to anyone? No, this is the name of the film. Uh, it stars Rain Wilson. Oh, really? Okay. And some other people. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It's about these two brothers. They're like, dad's dead. They're from a fairly poor family. Their mum, she's got cancer. She can't like work or do anything. Fucking hell. So they're in a pretty shit situation. And the, the older brother is about 17. He like dominates the younger one who's about 14. You know, he's like a bully brother. And they go into his house, which is being fumigated. Uh, so there's like no one in it. And then they, they steal some money, which they know is there. And then on there... Uh, oh, by the way, this is going to be spoilers. Yeah. Don't tell us Okay, all. that's fine. Um, From 2021. Uh, um, yeah, like recent. Yeah, 2021 or 2020. Anyway, on the way out, they got like their lockbox full of cash. And then they see this guy in a security guard's uniform. It's Rain Wilson. He chases them. But then he falls down a hole. Like a like in he's through like a woods like a rural area so there's like an old well that's like been covered up and he falls down it and then he's like sp- broken his ankle and he can't climb back up and he's like boys fucking help me and they run off so it's about the 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 movie is like the the younger brother is like very sympathetic towards this guy who was like chasing them and you know he's gonna die down there if they don't do something and he like wants to tell someone but the older like the abusive older brother is like don't you fucking dare does he say don't tell a soul uh don't think he does but anyway so it is the the movie sets up you know this kid he's got to overcome will he overcome his older brother will he do the right thing etc all right so that's like the first good half of the film okay okay how wait about, so what do they do with rain in the um in the well do they start like giving him food and things yeah so like the, the younger brother starts going to see him he like gives him some food and rain's um, like you just let me fucking let me out how about you yeah he like me, starts talking wait, he's like i've got yeah he's like let me, no i need to go back to my family like i've got a brother too you know who's a mean and so on um yeah, so that's kind of that's basically what happens. Uh, so it sets up that that decision, and it's quite like interesting. And then halfway through, the kid looks at the news, and it's like wanted murderer on the loose, and it's picture of Rain Wilson. Whoa. And Rain Wilson wasn't a security guard after all; he was like a, a on the run, wanted for like murdering his family. Shit. And then, and then the kid is like. If I let you out of this hole, will you sort my brother out? And he's like, yeah, go on then. <laughs> um, so, like, he gets Rain Wilson out of the hole. And Rain Wilson, like, they go looking for brother. Rain Wilson, like, shoots two cops who are, like, on the on the lookout for him. Um, and it ends up with them, like, getting the older brother. They push him in the hole. Oh, yeah. And then, and then the, older, the younger brother's like, can I come with you, Rain Wilson? 
And Rain's like, no, you're going to be old as well, mate. Oh, so he puts like, him... my brother's going to beat me up. And he's like, you got to fucking do it. So he puts him in the hole as well. So, yep. And then the mum shoots Rain Wilson. Oh, wait, what's the mum doing so, with all of this? The mum, like, she, so she's, like, kind of dependent on the kids. You know, the younger brother, again, is, like, nice to her. The older brother kind of pushes her around, etc. Um, and I guess what happens is she kind of steps up and protects her children. Yeah. I guess, like, sure. Even though, like, she's got cancer. It's not like her. she was lazy. She had cancer. But yeah. that was her yeah. problem. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, it... It become it goes off the rails and becomes a much worse movie. And like the ending is like the mum who's had no interaction with like Ring Wilson's character confronting him, and and then there's like at the end the family like makes up like because like the, the younger brother gets pushed in the hole and the older brother starts beating him up because and yeah. then he, until like the older the younger brother's unconscious and he's and then the older one's like. Oh, I've I've killed him. I've killed my brother. And then when the younger brother comes round, he's like, "Oh, I'm I'm sorry now. I've I went too far. I've learned <laughs> that I sh- I shouldn't beat my brother to within an inch of his life." It's just a little lesson in life, of, isn't it? Yeah. So it has a very weird like family togetherness moment. Like, uh, killing that murderer brought us together. <laughs> Great. And then they do his friends. So. Yeah, and that's where the movie ends. So fucking brilliant. Yeah, I will say not great. Uh, I wouldn't recommend watching Don't Tell a Soul. Okay. Unfortunately, it really it becomes a much worse movie. Speaking of what also becomes a much worse movie is 2021's Hunter Hunter. Uh, again, full spoilers. Yeah, it's based on my life. Uh, <laughs> it's about this family. So again, the first half of this movie is this family. They live like in a very in America live in a very rural area in fact it emerges that they're kind of living elite semi-legally maybe illegally on like federal land so they live in like a national park we're always doing uh, and they basically like sorry pardon we're always doing that yeah and they basically like live off the land like they're a, a very old old school like hunting family like the dad and like the, the kind of 13 year old daughter uh go out to like hunt the, the wife like stays home and like you know, cooks and, you know, takes over the house. Um, so they're, they're living like this very, like, frontier life, even though it's in the modern day. Um, and they have a problem, which is like this wolf is like stalking the land. And it's like a, you know, an apex hunter. And it's a real danger to them because like they're, they're just these people out in the woods, out in the wolves territory, really. And they're kind of scared. There's, you know, the, the, the dad is trying to trap this wolf and they're they're scared about this. Oh uh, yeah, well they're trying to do that. But like the wolf obviously is like a hunter itself. So it's like very difficult to like capture it. So they're kind of playing this game of uh, I say cat and mouse of wolf and human okay. with the wolf. Yeah. <laughs> Where the dad is trying to trap it. Um, you know, the 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 wife goes to like the local police, but they're like, one, that's federal land. Um, so we can't do anything. Two, you it's not might not be legal that you're living there. So do you really want us to get the feds involved? And they're also like, three, you're kind of living in the wolves' territory, mate. Like, yeah. what do you want us to do? There's a wolf in the woods. Well, yeah, maybe you shouldn't live where wolves are. Yeah, Americans are really good at respecting where people live. Yeah. So anyway, it sets up this interesting like 
dynamic where you know the daughter as well is getting to the age where she's like i want to come with you dad and like help you hunt the wolf and the dad's like it's too dangerous you've got to stay home etc and then there's like another twist where like the dad while like tracking stumbles across a bunch of dead bodies in the woods oh, for that have been like dumped there yeah so yeah and that that's kind of that's interesting like that as in an extra element to it but then it really goes off the rails again so again half, halfway through it goes off the rails completely so the dad just kind of disappears you know they've had no contact with him and then they find the, the mother and daughter find another guy out in the woods who's like being attacked by a wolf it looks like and they take him into the house and like nurse him back to health and then it very much emerges through time that he's probably the killer and he killed the dad and then he kills the daughter and he's tried to kill the wife. So it kind of turns into this slasher film where okay. he's the wife is kind of trying to is like a is like the final girl, I guess. And there's like she's trying to escape this killer. Uh, and then it completely goes off the rails when like she gets him. And then, I mean, just to like tell you what happens in the end, she there's like a whole sequence with like music backing where she like skins him alive. Like oh, she would a wolf or like a, a prey. And yeah, you can really tell the director was like, everyone's going to remember this final scene. Because they got like gore effects and stuff. And you see the guy, you know, with all the makeup, like who's meant to have been skinned. So you can tell the director was like, oh, they'll really, they'll really talk about this. But like, it's completely out of place. Like the, the killer has like these headphones with like a tape player or something or like a Walkman that he puts on. And the, the woman, she like listens to it, his killing song as she like skins him. And it's just completely, you know, it was like this intimate drama about living in this rural area and like the tension between like this old way of life and what's happening. And, and then it, it completely has gone off the rails. And <laughs> everyone, like the dad's conflict with the wife, you know, the dad had conflict with the wife where the wife was like, maybe we should move a bit further into town, our daughter go, could go to school. And the dad's like, this was my grandfather's hunting lodge. You know, we've got to stay here. How the long daughter have they been there? Were like, you know, huh? How long have they been, been uh, there? Uh, so it's been in his family for like five generations. Oh, no, so the, like wolf, the wolf moved in on their territory then? I guess so. But like, they're, they're living way out in a rural area, right? That's something that they contend with. And the daughter, you know, she's coming of age and wants to go out with her dad. All that's pushed out the window. They all die. And it's for the wife skins this man and that's the ending so Wait, what happens with the, I, I'm actually, with the wolf do i miss something oh the wolf i fucking goes nowhere the wolf's still out there mate oh so great yep <laughs> anyway um so hunter hunter proper piss this film was proper piss mate is i actually feel angriest at this because i feel like this movie stole an hour of my life where it looked yeah. like a good movie like, like the idea of um, like uh, trying to overcome this wolf is, I mean, silly, but also yeah. like, if you're gonna just start with that, if it, it feels like based on your description, obviously I haven't seen it, but it feels like, yeah, they had that idea and then didn't know how to wrap it up, so like, well, then the killer's yeah. there. Yeah, exactly. So men are the yeah, real not danger. very good. <laughs> the real monster is man. Yep, not wolf. Yep. If I was hunting so, a wolf, I would simply stay in one location and set up traps for it, rather than trying to find it myself. But, you've, but they've got to go out hunting themselves to like get food. Yeah, I'd get enough food for a bit and then lure it. <laughs> yeah. If the, look, if she can get Good to job. town and not be attacked by the wolf, they can go out and get stuff, 
bring it back and then be all right for a bit. But what what if there was a serial killer running around? Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, I hadn't considered that. That's a, <laughs> that's a heck of a twist. I'd be yep. really annoyed if I was having to deal with a fucking smart wolf and a serial killer. Yeah. I'd be really annoyed. I'd really ruin my week, I think. Um, especially if my whole family got murdered and I had to skin them alive to some music backing. Yeah. Exactly. Bummer. Real okay. real bummer. All right. Um, so that's... Yeah, that sounds... Those are two piss movies Bad. that I wouldn't recommend. Um, but a bit better as something I would make. Sorry, did you have, were you going to go into something that you wanted to talk about? I could do. Uh, I was gonna, I feel like I was going to say something else about it. Yeah, I want to see that film, but from the wolf's perspective in like a fantastic Mr. Fox type, type thing. That's what <laughs> I want to see happen. I want to see this wolf constantly outsmarting them and escaping them. And the wolf thinks that the real monster is man. Yeah, exactly. Um, I'll do I'll do a thing quickly before you get into other films. Right. Uh, Final Fantasy VII Remake is just a quick one because I've played it before and we've talked about it before on a podcast, but I'm playing it again. Yeah. Uh, it's had a PS5 upgrade and I decided to take my anxiety towards the climate uh, and play a game about uh, saving the climate. <laughs> um, it's very pretty on PS5. It's still very cool. It's a very cool game. Uh, just just mentioned that I'm, I'm playing that at the moment. I'm a few hours in again and it's, it's fucking good. That's, nice. what, that's all I wanted to say about it. All right. uh, cool. I've got two other things to talk about. We, we can do those after your last two. Films. All right. Initiation. I liked this one. This is a. It's a very surprisingly good intimate drama that is occasionally interrupted by a much trashier slasher movie. Another but serial I, killer. I kind of appreciate it. Yeah, another serial killer. So, all right. Content warning because this deals with some like real shit. Um, and again, full spoilers, but it's about a college campus, um, you know, fraternity, sorority. There's a fraternity party. Um, a girl gets assaulted um, you know, while drunk. We don't know precisely what happens to her, but, you know, something happens to her. Uh, and then all these guys start dying. All these members of this fraternity start dying oh, yeah. uh, in mysterious ways. And so you have two halves of a movie. You have the intimate <laughs> college drama about a sexual assault on campus yep. that, like... Has it is better than it has any right to be? Sure. Like they're they're having like the performances are really good. Praise for the actors in this movie. Like um, you know, young actors. Their the performances are all really good. As like you know, the sorority leader is like one of the fraternity guys' sister, and she's trying to figure out what happened. And also, but her interests are divided because like are they? She doesn't want her sorority to get shut down, so she's kind of morally divided between covering it up and trying to like seek justice for her friend, and all this. So you have like an intimate drama with all these characters set up, and then occasionally you have like a murder scene where it becomes a trashy slasher movie, right? The um the poster uh, for it has a guy what looks to be in like a scream mask. Yeah, there, there's a mask killer, silver mask. We all remember silver face, don't we? Yeah, yeah, love silver Famous face. Horror hero, horror villain. <laughs> uh, I this is, I would say I'd recommend this if you like kind of slightly trashy horror movies. This is pretty high quality one. You've got long periods where it's a real movie. Long periods where it was a real movie, and then it becomes a, slash, a trashy, trashy slasher. So I would recommend this if you like, like me, watching kind of slightly trashy horror movies. Um, yeah, I would actually not too much to say about this one, but I would overall recommend it. Okay. Nice. And finally, what I really would recommend is unsubscribe. Not to this podcast, though. First of all, fun. not to the podcast, though. 
Not to a podcast of who? Not to our... Don't unsubscribe to our podcast is what I'm saying. Don't unsubscribe to our podcast. No, what I would recommend... Yeah, then I just, like, drop off the call. Yeah. And you just <laughs> what I recommend is unsubscribing. <laughs> Unsubscribe is a 30-minute short horror movie, which, first of all, is good. Doesn't outstay its welcome. And it's another one of these movies that is filmed from the perspective of a computer screen. Oh, yeah. And I've kind of become an aficionado of this subgenre of horror <laughs> movie. This one innovates significantly on the format by utilising cuts and close-ups in its its style. So that's interesting. Uh, So it's a bit more stylistic. It's putting more movie-making techniques into this perspective. Yeah. Um, And and it's got some cameos by some real YouTube TikTok people, I think. Yeah. So it is... the the, The plot is birthday party, Zoom call... From all these like social media personalities, they they've got they log on to wish one of their friends a happy birthday, but the call's being organised by someone no one knows, who um and he's got a weird filter over his face, which is the face of a baby, and that's funny. And then he like they all get offed one by one and get replaced by a baby face. Okay, and it's very it's very fun, like it's very silly. But I really enjoyed it. it. This is, again, a schlocky horror. If you want a good entertaining number to finish off a movie night, would recommend unsubscribe. Do you know why this was made? I don't know why this was so made. So I'm looking no. into this now. Um, it was made because someone wanted to get one of his own YouTube videos, essentially, to become the number one film in the US box office. And so what they did was a thing called forewalling, which is a distribution technique where a filmmaker basically rents out a theatre for a film but then keeps all the profits from renting it out. Um, And so because the theatres were closed due to COVID-19, they were able to rent out a closed theatre for very little money, buy every ticket themselves for several showing, and then keep the profits, which basically means they broke even. Uh, So they knocked out the the script in one day, um, just one day to make the script, uh, then filmed it over three days, rented out a theatre, bought up five showings, which basically $25,000, and in doing so, became the number one film in the US box office because nothing else was being shown. Very funny. So that's 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 the reason this film exists, is so they could basically say, yeah, we've had a oh. number one film. <laughs> well, I would recommend Unsubscribe. It was fun. It was a fun ending to... Like, a, a fun, kind of silly, yeah. kind of schlocky horror. Seems interesting. Doesn't outstay its welcome. It's only 30 minutes long. That's just pretty good going. Um, I saw a film as well. Oh, yeah? I went what to the cinema and saw a film. Yeah? It was uh, Violet Evergarden, the movie. So Violet Evergarden is yeah. an anime series uh, about a young woman after a war where she's basically lost both of her arms in the war. Uh, she's a young woman who was trained to, like, raised to be a soldier. She's an orphan, doesn't know any family or anything. Uh, and was is this a it's a is this a fantasy movie or science fiction movie? Um, like neither. It's it's very it's sort of just set okay. in the real, not the real, but like a fictionalized version of the real world. So it's set in a fictionalized place, but it's not like um, yeah, fantasy or science fiction. It's set in like the forties. You know, it's uh, it's it's like uh, basically it's 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 a World War Two analogy, essentially that sort of time period. Okay. Um, so she's a child soldier who's raised to be this 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 tough soldier in the war. Uh, and during the war, she loses both of her arms and also the love of her life, uh, the the major, uh, who was she's basically his his right hand woman. 
Um, so she leaves the war and she's all kinds of fucked up. She doesn't know how to behave in the real world. And she gets taken in by the major's best friend to work for a letter writing company. She she becomes an auto-memory doll, which is basically someone who goes to, gets hired to go to these various places and write letters for people, sort of get their feelings down to letters because most people can't read and write at this this time period. Um, You know, they're well off and everything, but they're not. They're not good at writing or anything. So she basically transcribes their thoughts and feelings so that their letters can be delivered to loved ones or or whatever, basically. And she becomes very famous for doing this because she's like very good at it. She like writes letters for kings and queens. Um she she writes a play for a playwright. She 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 helps write an opera, that sort of stuff, and she becomes very famous for it. And the movie is it's it's a fantastic series, which is just constantly very sort of like melancholy, bittersweet sort of ending. There's a lot of sadness as people recover from the war. There's a lot of uh, grief and sadness that through her letter writing, she helps people come to terms with. Um, there, there's there's one episode in particular which gets referenced in the movie quite a bit where she's basically hired by this uh, mother who is dying of, of an unknown illness uh, to write letters for her very young, like four-year-old daughter, so that every birthday of the daughter's life, she'll receive a letter from her dead mum. Uh, and and, and that, honestly, that, that episode just broke me completely. I, I, I don't think I've ever cried at a show as much as I have at this show. It's it's so beautiful and so well-made, but, but very sad. And the movie is no different. The movie takes place after the show. Um, it was showing in cinemas for one day only, I think. It's, it's, it's Western release. And it's just fantastic. It's, it's, it's so well animated. It's so well made. It's so... The story is just... It's It basically tells the story of, like, what she... she I'm try- I don't want to give spoilers away for this, basically. Um, so it's tricky to say anything. But it's it's about her like last trip to write one more letter. Uh, and she she starts writing a letter for this for this boy who is his he himself is dying of, of like an illness. Um and she she starts writing write, starts writing letters for him. Meanwhile, there is there is talk that um the her lost love may be alive somewhere. And so she she also goes on a trip to try and find him and and finally get some some answers i guess and it's just a culmination of this entire series and show into this movie and it it was it was really lovely really really beautiful um sort of my partner and we we cried a lot uh it's it's happy and sad and she said afterwards that it's the most she's cried in years (laughs) so you know it's 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 very heartfelt very affecting but i absolutely loved it the the series is on Netflix if you're interested in, in watching it um, in both sub and dub. I watched through it in sub, um, which I don't often do, but fancied it for this. Uh, I don't know what the dub's like. It's probably good. Yeah, very recommended. Very recommended. It's uh, That's Violet Evergarden, the series and the movie. Okay. Strongly recommended. Um, I've also watched The Football. You heard about? Oh yeah, has it come home? You heard about this football stuff, Scott? Yeah, I've heard about. Well, I know in Iran we have football. I didn't know in England that they had football. Yeah, we've got we've got football over here. Um, there's some stuff. Oh, going on right wait, now. it's it's reached even as far as yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. We've um, it's it's the Euros right now, and I'm not a football fan by any means. Um, 
but the Euros, it seems, is fairly important. Uh, so my partner's family are super into it. When I went, I visited them a few weeks ago, uh, I saw some of the early matches, and then she's sort of like keeping up with it in order to keep the be able to keep talking to them about the the football and things. So I've been seeing that as well, and it's people are really excited about it, Scott. There's some it's 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 interesting. It's it's fun briefly being part of that that zeitgeist for it. Um, it seems that England might actually have a chance of winning for once. Uh, it might come it home. It might actually like come home for like the home. first time. It's not the World Cup, but the Euros, I don't think we've got particularly done particularly well in those in the past either. Um, I, I say this as someone who knows nothing about it, but it's it's fairly exciting. Um, I'm not going to lie. It's, it's not something I'm going to follow outside of this, but just being part of it in the moment right now is fairly fun. Uh, England was against Germany earlier this week and again again yeah and it's sort of like this this <laughs> this long rivalry between the two nations apparently um and we've never won a game against them in like 50 years and we did it we we finally beat them at, at the football two nil like everyone was thinking maybe yeah. it'll be like one all or nil nil or anything but they, they we we got one in the second half we got one ball in and then a second one and it was all exciting people were very excited about it and so that made me excited too it was it was fun to see and there's another match they're playing again tonight against ukraine maybe i don't know maybe They're they're against someone but it's the quarterfinals then on wednesday it's the semi-finals and then next sunday it's the finals and it might be england in the finals as well there's a lot of stuff going. There's, there's some football going on, Scott. Yeah. So it's a, it's a heck of a time to be into football. It seems. Uh, yeah. So I'm gonna I'm watching that, and I'm probably gonna watch it tonight as well. My team are super into it, so it, it helps to be okay. the guy who can talk to my team about what helps to manage your relationship. Exactly. Yeah. I need to sort of keep up to date with what they what they've got going on. You, as well. David Cameron. It's that and Love Island right now. So. Yeah. I'm involved in both of those as as it stands. Um, I don't disdain Love Island. Like it's the kind of trash I would normally watch, but um, I say that affectionately. But uh, I can't keep up with. It's like an, every, an hour, an hour every, every day. day. It? It's it's that, too, much. too much. It's too much. But my partner's watching it anyway, so I'm seeing it by association, regardless. You know, so it's it doesn't. I'm not purposely sitting down to watch it, but it is on in the background. Yeah. So you know, it's um, this series is fucking boring though. I tell you that I've I've watched oh, yeah? it in the past, but this series, holy shit, there's not an interesting person on it. Usually, usually there's some characters, right? Um, but this yeah. time, there just absolutely isn't. They've just brought a guy in called Chugs. Chugs. That's his name. What? Right. That won't. That's do. his. That's his name and his person. If you could imagine what someone with a name like Chugs, his personality is like, you're right. Yeah. There's. Okay. There's. Absolutely no one of interest on it right now. It's very, very boring. Um, and they've tried to do things to spice it up, and it's just not working. So, I mean, it's the first week, but also I feel like other weeks have been more interesting than this has. Should we talk about some news? Uh, yeah, all right. We can talk about a bit of news. Why not? Cool. Um, PlayStation. There's a couple of PlayStation things in the news this, this yeah. week. Uh, let's start with the fact that they've bought a, another developer. So earlier this week, they announced that they had picked up um, Returnal Studio House Marquee, which, to be fair, have been making games exclusively with PlayStation anyway, so it makes sense that they would pick these up. 
Um, but then uh, two days ago, they bought a studio called Nixis. Uh, it's a Netherlands-based studio, and they basically work on ports of project, but typically PC ports, which is where, where this gets a bit interesting, because... PlayStation have been releasing some PC ports recently. They released Horizon Zero Dawn uh, about a year ago on PC, a little, little bit under a year ago. I think it might have been October, November time. And then recently they've also released uh, Days Gone on PC, that that, that zombie game, um, which people were sort of lukewarm on. But they've, they've, they've basically been starting to bring stuff across to PC. And this seems to be like they're going to be doubling down on that and doing more P- like the idea of hire of buying a PC port studio sort of signifies either you want some studio to handle ports onto your new console or you're going to be increasing your output to the PC market as well which I think is probably more likely in this in this case which is interesting because it sort of it does <laughs> sorry no it's, it's fine um for me that raises the question of I, I suppose it depends on whether how often they'll be bringing things across to the PC and how quickly, right? Um, because Microsoft has said that everything they're putting on Xbox will also be on the Windows Store for PC. And so if Sony are doing that for PC as well, there becomes less of a reason to own a console, right? Like, if you, if you, if you, had, if you had the choice right now, let's say you had a good gaming PC, gaming PC and then you wanted to get a console as well, the suggestion would be get PlayStation because they'll have exclusives on there. But if they're going to be making, bringing stuff to across the PC anyway, you could probably just get by with a gaming PC in the future. Yeah. Perhaps. I mean, it's it's. I, I quite like consoles but to be able to sort of play be, in the living room. To be fair, I things. think you've got... I think that's a case for like people like us who are like quite into games and probably... Even though I don't spend a huge amount on games, probably like more than most people. I think for your average person though, who's like doesn't follow a lot of video game news, are they going to be persuaded to spend so much more money on a gaming no, PC rather than a PS5? There isn't. There is a there's a decent sized market for it. Like though. I do, I do know like quite a few people who they don't really follow video games that much, but they do like they'll buy a new PlayStation when the new PlayStation comes out. They'll buy it and then they'll quite happily game for its lifetime. Yeah. And then move on. Yeah, I suppose. That's I think what, that's PlayStation's what... got the strength of like that brand. Yeah, it has. Uh, I suppose consoles will always be uh, the place to be if you want to just just play a game. But the very fact that they are bringing stuff just to the PC that means if you are an enthusiast and you didn't want to choose between the consoles, yeah. PC is now more viable than ever. Yeah, gone are the gone are the days of PC gaming apparently being dying. You know, significantly past that at this point. I remember. You oh yeah, I was there. We were teenagers. Absolutely, teenagers are idiots. But yeah, oh yeah. Um, to be clear, I mean that was that was said at a lot of places. I think it wasn't just me as a teenager saying that. Like a lot of people were. You know, I didn't get that thought from nowhere. But um, it's it's PC now is of course bigger than ever, and certainly a rising interest in uh, Eastern countries as well like where a lot of the time they don't have the space necessarily to have for a PC and like a bunch of consoles. So it's, um, it's interesting. I think, uh, I'm interested to see where it goes. It probably, probably, it'll probably still be the case where they'll just like leave it a few years between. I, f- I feel like knowing Sony, it won't be like, day no, of day. course it not. Yeah. They still want people a a reason, to give people a reason to buy their yeah. console, which is unfortunate. Yeah. And it's, it's, 
it's still, it's still interesting, I think. Um, also interesting is another Sony thing. It's come out that indie developers have basically said that Sony, or PlayStation specifically, I suppose, because they do tend to split their um, dev business with that name, uh, is incredibly hard to work with. So this is from uh, Kotaku with yeah. Sony... Classic, classic ...specifically Sony. making indie developers' lives difficult. Um Kotaku basically heard from multiple independent developers and publishers expressing frustrations and fury at uh, Sony's approach to them being on the PlayStation Store. Uh, the f- number of basically issues with it is that a confusing number of people convinced that... Uh... Oh, hang on. Um, Sony are far harder to work with and sell games through than anywhere else. Um Oh, this 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 article seems to be in response to people responding to another article. Hang on, I need to get the the good stuff out of this. Um, Sony shows an extraordinary caution, even the games it makes itself, with with an excessive focus on blockbuster success. Um, and the Japanese corporations moving away from developing smaller in-house games as they're only fixated on the largest games at all. And that sort of seems to extend across to indie developers as well, um, where Sony will charges charges a minimum of $25,000 to be featured in a visible position on the PlayStation Store. And for most indie games, that's the only way to be visible. So without paying any money, indie developers are basically reporting that their games are going to get completely lost, which is in contrast to Microsoft and Nintendo's stores, which both offer ways to pay for prominence. Although there's also options of like free options while still being noticed. Um, so an indie developer basically says, we get people every week saying, oh, saw your game on the Xbox dashboard today. The Xbox UI feels like a mess, but in reality, it's actually kind of interesting that they just have so many different places and spaces to feature games. And on Sw- Switch, um, you'll have spots on the eShop which you'll appear even without paying. So new releases, great deals, all those yeah. kinds of lists. I mean, I'm given to understand that the way to make yourself more visible on Switch is to like do a deep Yeah, that's, that's part of it. So you'll, sh- you'll show up on the deals yeah. page regardless of whether you paid for it. You'll always, yeah. and then you'll always got- show on the new releases. Yeah. Like New releases will always be in order yeah. of when the game's released regardless of whether they yeah. paid for it or not. But PlayStation yeah. won't even show on there. They don't, they don't have specific places for like new releases where they'll just show everything that's being released currently. They, they, their deals are split into different places. The store's a fucking mess. Like Every week there's different deals, but it's like themed deals. So I think last week they had like a women in games deal and like a pride deal, for example, and they just picked a bunch of games that seemed applicable for that thing. But that had and woman had a woman in it yep that's right or had uh, it was had a mention of a gay person i think was one of them uh it's oh it's 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 um difficult i i, I, just, I just don't see why they're so antagonistic towards indie developers i mean playstation had was quite a good place for indie developers for a bit i i thought I feel I feel like the Vita was the only games they were had coming out for Vita was indie games, which managed to find a niche audience. Yeah, but I guess that was still a detriment to that. It wasn't Sony making that effort. That was still very much like um, indie developers just making games for it anyway. But the idea of like having to pay the same amount as anyone else in order to get noticed on the store is just crazy. Uh, you still have to give them thirty percent of your earnings as well. And for any indie devs out there, 
plugs on this podcast are a lot cheaper. We do reasonable rates. Yeah, you could reach. Get in contact. You could reach three yeah. figures of do, people. Do it for you cheap, yeah? <laughs> yeah. That's three figures, not just three people. Um, one developer and developer wrote, try and go find my game on PlayStation without typing it in, uh, which is you should be able to do like if you wanted to go find like shooting games you should be able to go find any sort of shooting game rather than just what they want to show you um and also also access to sales is apparently very difficult so you can only get invited to promotion these days you cannot set you cannot set up custom discounts on the PlayStation store so if you want to discount your game you're not allowed to unless you get invited to do so um and the the suggestion is 40 to 50% by default uh, it's just bad and, and baffling. Like Sony's whole focus on big games is to the detriment of not just their own developments, but the development of other games by indie developers as well. And I don't understand it. Surely you'd want as many games to get noticed as possible. I, it's it's crazy. That's what's going on with um, indie developers. There, uh, you, you, you yeah, it's, uh, it's it's it's. I wonder. I wonder if that improves though, because Sony's still doing fairly well for itself. But Sony's got their own little monopoly, haven't they? That's the thing. But every store does. So, but that's just Sony. I think it's like an ingrained way of doing business. Yeah. But- like they they want to be like the monolith, like you deal with us or you don't. They've always been that way with both with how their console gets developed for and like their crossplay and stuff. They always want a fee, yeah. Before um, you know, before they're willing to play, they they think they're in a position to demand it. And I guess so far they've done all right. Yeah, it's just, I suppose it's uh, it's a bit shit though. I suppose it's hard to see when consoles like for both Sony and Xbox right now are just selling out as soon as they're available. It's yeah. hard to tell who has like the upper hand to make a change. Like Sony aren't going to change unless they're losing the the war, right? Uh, they're not going to change unless they feel like yeah, they're losing and, out. And even anything. then, you know, they can still they can still be making a profit yeah. even if they aren't like number one. So uh, it's shit, shit, and it, it's shit for gamers as well. Sorry, games players, um, because <laughs> game like people who like games. Uh, because you're gonna miss out on the opportunity to discover games that you might enjoy. Like you, yeah. or, or if only the only th- if you're playing solely on PlayStation, and the only thing Sony is showing you is the big blockbuster games, you could be missing out on so many interesting and different experiences. You know, if I wasn't so ingrained in games stuff, I wouldn't be aware of a lot of these smaller games that I'm, that I'm interested in playing. I'm gonna pick up Chicory this week. And I probably wouldn't be aware of that, and if if I wasn't like part of games culture, and that's a PlayStation exclusive, and it's not it's like I wouldn't even be aware that it was there. Um, so there we go. It's 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 a shitter. Are you interested in Windows Eleven? I've I've just learned about it right you, now. This is the first you've heard about it's it. New to me. Yeah, but they only unveiled it in G- late. Yeah, June, yeah, about a week ago. Looking at this article, I mean, it's a new Microsoft operating system. I'm not exactly my heart's not beating faster for a new for a new OS. So it's uh, Windows 11 is going to be coming soon. Um, it's going to have a new desktop look, which moves your start menu to the center of the taskbar. 
Trash. Absolute <laughs> trash. <laughs> but you can set it so it goes back to the left if you want to, which everyone will be doing so. Um, but what's interesting is what it does for games. So they're bringing across some of their tech from the Xbox Series X and S, uh, which is specifically they're, they're bringing across Auto HDR, which is um, uh, an a, a algorithm thing that basically adds high dynamic range color enhancements to games built on DirectX 11 or higher uh, that previously only used the standard dynamic range. But basically it, for, it gets the games to render with a wider range of brightness values and colors, which sounds like nonsense, but when you see it in practice, really makes a difference. Like if you've got a high HDR compatible display, which I think you have as, you've got a 4K TV which does HDR now, right, Scott? Yeah, but I'm, I can't put my PC on it. Can you not? Well, I have to haul my PC downstairs. Oh, right, okay, yeah. But if you've got a display that, that that allows it, it really makes a difference to the way that games look. Better than, I think, a resolution increase is the ability to have HDR, which just makes colours pop and makes everything look so much nicer. So that's something that they're bringing in for... It's not something that's really been in PC games at all. Like, I've played some PC games and... There's not, there's never really any options for HDR stuff even now. Whereas for consoles, it seems to be becoming the norm. So the fact that they're going to have it built into Windows 11 from the office is very exciting. Um, over 1,000 games will support it apparently, which is pretty great. It'll also use the load new games faster via tech called Direct Storage, which is also part of Direct Series X and S, but it does require you having a SSD, I think. Um, so direct storage optimized window level PCs are configured with the hardware and drivers needed to enable this so you might have to buy a new PC specifically for that but I don't know um, cool good I'll look forward to that <laughs> and they're also bringing Android apps to Windows 11 We're running natively on the system via Amazon's app store which is weird because you can't buy my, most Android apps from like most Android apps are not on Amazon's app store. Like I've got an I've got an Amazon yeah. tablet, and I've had to sideload on the Google Play Store in order to get the things I actually want from it. But a lot of people want to be playing Android games on their PC. Like they don't want to have to just be stuck with using their phone for it. So that's um, good, I guess. Like there's a lot of there's a lot of Android emulators out there. BlueStacks, I think, is one of them. And if this allows people to do it officially, that's only a good thing. What is weird, though, is that so the upgrade is free. If you've got Windows 10, you get a free upgrade to Windows 11. But there is a specific thing you need in order to get it, which is a TPM, a Trusted Platform Module, which is a little module in CPUs and uh, your BIOS, which not everyone has. I don't have it. I did a test to see if I had if I had this, and I don't, so I can't upgrade to Windows 11, even though I've got fairly new kit. So I don't know what the requirements is to have that module. What do you need to have? Uh, TPM, um, Trusted Platform Module Version 2.0. I'll send you a link. Of, I'll put a link in the in the description for the podcast of how you can find out if you have that or not, if you want to upgrade to Windows 11 when it comes out. But okay. I don't have it, and I don't know how to get it, but it would require upgrading some of my... PC equipment, which I don't really want to do, considering my PC is fairly good as it is. So, looks like I won't be upgrading to Windows 11 anytime soon. the The reason for this module, by the way, is for, is for security purposes. So apparently, it will it will allow uh, 
hacking to be less prevalent. I don't understand, but they assure us that that's a uh, thing that is required. Um, a small thing, Final Fantasy Nine. It's getting a TV series, an animated kids series aimed at uh, eight to thirteen year olds. If there's going to be a Final Fantasy, you're going to turn into an animated series. I think Final Fantasy Nine is the one to go for. Uh, it's in the early days. Apparently, the, the studio behind it is planned to pitch the project to broadcasters in the coming month. With production to set production to set to begin by the end of 2021, beginning of 2022. I'm Final Fantasy Nine was for a long time my favorite Final Fantasy game, so I'm actually fairly excited about this. It's the first game I bought with my own money. Uh, so, a TV series, anime series based on that is very exciting. Um, I'm not put off by the. 9 to 13 year old age bracket, or sorry, 8 to 13 year old bracket, because that's the same sort of bracket that... If that's your mental age. Yes, very good. <laughs> <laughs> that's the that's the age that a lot of, uh, like, Adventure Time, for example, is aimed at that age. Steven Universe is aimed at that age, so I don't think that necessarily... The age of a lot of gamers. I don't think that necessarily means that the, the show can't be <laughs> deep or dark, because Final Fantasy IX goes to some dark places. Yeah. It deals with death and uh, what life, what it means to be alive, that sort of stuff. I don't think it necessarily means that it can't go to those places, just because it's aimed at a younger audience. It just means they'll have to do so more tactfully, which for storytelling can actually be a good thing um so that's fairly exciting not gonna do that it's fairly interesting have you seen it i've not seen it no so there's a um group of people who are basically minecraft historians Mm. so they 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 try and store every single copy of the game. Minecraft is a game which has over the years has received many individual incremental updates. It's not just like big updates like 1.0, 2.0, that sort of stuff, mm. but like many miniature alpha updates as well. And there was one of them which was alpha build 1.1.1, which was a uh, long-running meme and a holy grail for the Minecraft archivist group uh, as they'd never been able to track this elusive build down. It was only available for 3 hours in 25 minutes as there was a bug in it that would turn the player's screen gray basically so they so at the time the developer um fixed that fairly quickly and so the the version was gone after three hours but someone spotted a tweet by a woman called luna back on september 18th 2010 where she tweeted at 6 37 p.m ooh minecraft update and so they reached out to her and asked if she still had that copy of the game like based on that and she it turns out stores most of her stuff like keeps everything that she's ever had on hooks on external hard drives and backs all of it up and she did still have this this copy of the game so they reached out to her she posted in the server and they, they absolutely went nuts about it. Um, she sent the bill to them for verification. They confirmed it was the real deal. But she downloaded it, uh, I think, a minute or two before it was the it was no longer available. And people just managed to find that based on her tweet. So it's it's just a fascinating story of some of like just how the internet can link everything together again. I don't know. It's interesting, right? Very interesting. It's such a 
cool yeah, we'll little thing. Um, I guess the, the moral is don't delete anything. <laughs> well, I don't know who is. I delete um, everything, Scott. I'm I'm not a, I'm not a yeah. hoarder of things at all. I've been every day on Facebook. I've yep. been deleting all of my memories because uh, I don't need that stuff stored for twelve year, twelve plus years. Um, but the idea that I could have had this like rare thing that would be useful at some point is, is I'm mean, not useful, but like good for people. I guess is is an encouragement to keep it, but. I don't know. You sent me a link to an th- interesting thing as well. Did you want to talk about that? Yes. Yeah, sure. It was a, an article, and this comes from Stars and Stripes, which is, a, I, I believe, a news website uh, publication about American military folk, um, which I've, I don't know anything else about them, so don't blame me if they're horrible. <laughs> I'm only looking at this one article, all right? It's just this one article you, yeah, you, you're aware of. Okay. Just this one article that was, and I found this via Twitter. Uh, so it's about uh, digital debris left behind in the US withdrawal from Afghanistan. Okay. So Joe Biden, the American president, has promised that the US is going to withdraw from Afghanistan completely by September 11th. Oh, really? 2021. Oh, okay. Uh, yes, that, that's, so that's what you said. Uh, that's a good so thing, we'll see right? if that actually happens. Uh, well, I. Uh, I've, it's too complicated. Okay, so right. this is one of those complicated things. Um, I'm I'm not going to go into yeah that, um, but needless to say, the American campaign in Afghanistan has been pretty disastrous. Yes. I wouldn't say it's been a very good war. No, it's been a terrible war. Uh, so anyway, it's about U.S. forces um, leaving uh, Bagram Airfield, which was like the largest. One of the largest U.S. military bases in Afghanistan, and it's about how, while on deployment at this airfield, a lot of U.S. troops would play Pokemon Go. Okay, yep. uh, so there were a bunch of uh, Pokemon gyms, uh, which, uh, as people may recall, or maybe you still play the game, um, you can. T- there's three factions that can take over gyms and leave Pokemon to defend it. And um, how little rivalries developed across um, this. Um, American base and how they would they developed and they had all these weird kind of sites like there's a memorial to a dead soldier that became a Pokemon gym and um, and various bits of um, various parts of the base and it's about soldiers um, seemingly kind of uh, regretful to leave behind this um, this area like leave behind their gyms. Yeah. There's a guy who says. Um, uh, a quote from the article, screenshots of Bagram after the troops left show low-level Pokemon, normally easily defeated, stuck guarding locations, perhaps indefinitely. A tiny Lotad has defended the former warrior chapel at Bagram for 10 days, while a lowly Aaron has defended a memorial to a falling service member for about two weeks. Still, uh, Suter, who's one of the, uh, the s- servicemen that they interview, said he assumes someone from Afghanistan will take over the gym someday, if they haven't already. I'm sure somewhere in Afghanistan, some kid is bragging about how he took control of an American Pokemon gym, he said. Like other veterans, he said he is pessimistic about the future of Afghanistan after the US withdrawal, but he hopes the situation improves one day, to the point he can once again play Pokemon Go there. Maybe in 20 years I can ride a motorcycle south and reclaim the Pokemon gym again, he said. Crazy stuff. Yeah. It's very weird to see soldiers talking about these areas 
like um wistfully and being like maybe one day i'll go back i guess in in a way um, like as, as awful as like uh the the um that 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 war has been these are people who have essentially lived there for a significant period of time and and they and they clearly have memories and things there so it's 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 a weird one isn't it it's a very it's it's a very weird type of like hang on my doorbell's going american okay both both doing this today (laughs) listeners um i don't know what cal said about me earlier but i'm just going to take the opportunity to be nice about him he's really nice isn't he cal he works so hard on this podcast and everything uh you know he does the editing very grateful for that such a such a good stand-up guy really couldn't ask for a better friend a better co-host wonderful so hopefully that's made whatever he said about me earlier made made him like a real dickhead or maybe he was nice as well and we are both really nice about each other uh who knows who knows (laughs) you worried about what i was saying about you you back (laughs) no it's fine you have to see what i said about you i can't wait uh, what were you saying? So yeah, it's, it's like this 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 interesting uh, sites that have significance for these American soldiers, but like maybe not to the locals. And it's like this this digital remnant of like American yeah. presence there, even after they've like closed up this base. Yeah, it's it's this is not something that I imagine was envisioned when Pokemon Go was created. No, but it's because this is like a theme in wars, like you know, troops kind of uh, foreign service. Uh, and soldiers stationed in this foreign country have a sense of ownership and the sense of regret over like yielding it to the people who actually yeah. live there, but they're doing it digitally. Yeah, it's fascinating. I, I, I suppose I mean every everything's going digital these days. Even even the the the, the ownership of another country. That's 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 nuts. Um, pretty, pretty wild. wild. Uh. We talked about Humble Bundle a little while ago. Yeah, has something happened? They've updated it again. So previously, oh, that's the wrong, that's the wrong link. Uh, I've lost the drive. I've lost the drive, Scott. Oh my god! Get get I'm, get the I'm link. Get the. Into it. I'm coming to the rescue. PlayStation. No, that's hard the, so it's the wrong one. I've I've put Deb, the wrong say. link. <laughs> oh no! Oh my god! Well, we'll never know what happened. They've had an- they've had another store update. Uh, <laughs> I'm just gonna go. Uh, that's that's not the right one. Oh, this is. I'm always. I'm so professional. It's gone. Fucking hell. Uh, basically, they're bringing those. You know, they had the. Um, they changed it so you couldn't just give whatever you wanted to. The charities you had to you you had to give a certain percentage to humble bundle uh basically earning them more money when it was obviously the goal is that you previously could just give whatever you wanted to charity if you want to just give every bit of money you're paying for charity you could do so if you want to give some to developers you could do so if you want to give 10 percent to humble bundle and everything else to a developer or charity you could do so but then they changed it so that you had to give a minimum percentage to them um, which obviously is a money-making tactic. And people kicked off. People uh, kicked off because they said that's not what Humble Wonder was about. This is clearly just part of your ownership of like a, a company having a corporate entity having bought you out to make them more money. And so they relented and they put it back to what it, what it previously was. And you thought, okay, they're going to try it again, but they'll probably leave it a while before they try it again, right? 
no, <laughs> they've left it. No, about they tried it again. A, f- a month, I guess. I, don't, I can't remember when we last <laughs> talked about it, but it's certainly not very long. They've let it die down. They've said, actually, we're going to do it again. <coughs> so the base earning for Humble Bundle now is 30% of whatever you spend, uh, and then you can adjust the rest of the percentage as you want to, uh, which is just, again, I, I, I agree that they need to earn money somehow. They're a company. Um, they're still doing, doing stuff for charity. I get it. That's still that's still a good thing. Uh, but it's still scummy to then suddenly force this amount of money back to the humble, the quote-unquote humble corporation. Um so they're, they're back at it. They don't seem like they're going to be stepping down, but that's just the latest in the Humble Bundle saga where they're now back at... what the, the Basically, they've said, we've listened to you all and we're going to do it again. <laughs> like in, the, in their announcement post, which I still can't find, uh, that's from May. Yes, it was 5th of May is when they uh, initially relented. So it's, you're looking at two months since it changed. Um... Here we go. I found it. I found it, Scott. I found it. Oh, my God. Change is coming to Humble Bundle Sliders. Over the last few months, we've been working on improving our bundle pages and how people purchase games, books, and software via Humble Bundles. During testing earlier this year, we heard your feedback that choosing where your money goes through sliders is an important part of why you choose Humble. In mid-July, we'll be rolling out a new iteration of sliders that creates even more opportunities to support important causes. While splits on each bundle will vary, on average there'll be a minimum amount for Humble Bundle between 15-30%. to Sliders will clearly indicate any minimums to customers and the flexibility to adjust donations will be available in every purchase of a bundle. The change comes after 10 years of having the option to lower Humble's percentage to zero. Why change after 10 years? The PC storefront landscape has changed significantly since we first launched bundles in 2010 and we have to continue to evolve with it to stay on mission. They don't specify what that mission is. Uh, the update well, will allow us typical yeah, like the update will allow us to continue to offer great prices on amazing games, books, and software, all while supporting important charitable initiatives with every single purchase. Yeah, I mean, we gave this a good discussion when it first yeah. came up, so tune into that back episode. But we thought it'd be a little longer, but they've given it another two go. months in. Well, we'll see what they want to do about it this time. We'll see if it provokes the same level. Yeah, uh, they've not allowed comments on that article, so I'm not sure yep. what's going on there. Cool. And that's the news for this week. Is there anything else you wanted to bring up, Scott? Hey. Uh, not really, in no. That, in that case, good. it's 12 o'clock. Let's wrap up this podcast. Um, is there any... The public are eagerly awaking, awaiting my wank out window. <laughs> That's great. Let's go full circle to that. Is there any... We've not got a question of the week this week, but is there any moral or message you wanted to leave people with for them to to Um, settle in on for the next couple of weeks? No, that's fine. (laughs) Um, I think... um, I'm just trying to think of upcoming things. I've mentioned the Transriots demo, 6th of August, 1pm, Downing Street. Uh, So that's on. Definitely check that out. Um, There's an NHS march today, but obviously it's a bit too... Yeah, that's that's, uh, two uh, days ago for those listening on Monday when this goes up. Yep. But 24th of July, it's going to be Reclaim Pride, I believe, uh, which is, you know, Pride. Pride is the big... um, I mean, that's where where the company's uh, changed their logo for a month, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. So there's the official Pride, um, Pride event. Uh, which happens in London, I think, all over. 
Uh, a lot of people have some uh, problems with that because obviously you've got like these big corporations and like the police and so on all marching yeah, out shit. with uh, pride and a lot of people are like, it's become a bit corporate, hasn't it? It's become a bit um, bit much. Yeah. Uh, but I believe, um, I really don't want to get this wrong now because I'm, I'm trying to actually look up when the actual date is uh, because I was told by a comrade that it would be 24th of July, but I'm actually not quite i can't find it online <laughs> so i'm i might have to come back to you in like two weeks time um with more info on it but it's like um so it's, it's, a, it's, alternative a, it's a pride reclaim pride with the objective obviously being um to take it if back it, from corporations yeah, and is, make it more about the actual pride itself. yes yeah okay. exactly and have uh yeah be more about pride exclude organizations that don't have much to do with pride well the the issue um, so the issue isn't that organizations uh change their stuff for one month in order to celebrate pride in, in fact ultimately i think as much as it's clearly the corporates like jumping on the bandwagon to try and make some money it is ultimately a, an important a good important step in making it recognized by the public at large so that's that, that's not in any doubt what the issue is is there's corporations that put themselves forward as like, oh, we're celebrating Pride this month, and yet specifically donate money or use their funds in order to um, support the, 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 the oppression of uh, LGBTQ plus people. Um, you know, whether, whether that's through funding certain government bodies who have, have, have put forth homophobic legislation, or whether that is just specifically just being like homophobic in general yeah. and there's there's been some issues yeah. as well with like regular pride march with like groups yes perfs, like transphobes uh coming in and kind of um like a couple of years ago a group of uh transphobic people basically just pushed their way to the front of a march and the officials at pride refused to really do anything yeah. about it so the, uh, so, so pride is shit. is is another thing that has become almost a uh, a, a place for people to push forward their own ideals rather than what it should be, which is celebrating everyone on the LGBTQ plus spectrum. And you've got organisations like COPS and so on yeah. who still target the LGBT yes. community. And Disproportionately stuff, uh, to anything, anyone else. All right, I found it. Reclaim Pride March, Saturday, 24th of July, 2021. Assemble 1pm Parliament Square, then march to Hyde Park for Queer Picnic, BYO, Food, Drink and Music. Um, reclaim Pride March uh, Join with Fabulous People's Pride March for LGBT Liberation This is from the Peter, Fact Peter Factual Foundation Which I'm not super familiar with But this is what's mm -hmm. come up on Google um, So help us spread the word uh, We'll march via Downing Street And the Uganda High Commission in Trafalgar Square We will pause to respectively protest against the government stalling On LGBT plus rights And Uganda's persecution of LGBT plus people um, this community-led march gets back to the roots of pride, being both a celebration and a protest for LGBT plus rights, with five liberation demands, key liberation demands, ban LGBT plus conversion therapy, reform the Gender Recognition Act, safe haven for LGBT plus refugees, decriminalisation of LGBT plus people worldwide, and solidarity with Black Lives Matter. Yeah. So, that sounds like I will probably, I will be there, again, probably with some comrades from the Socialist Party will be down there uh so that seems like a good thing to get involved with uh a reclaim pride absolutely because a lot of I'll a lot of pride well. is um focused i mean rightfully or wrongly on um the the sort of like being outside of lgbtq stuff without the actual um pushing for the changing of 
society which we need. I mean, the reform of the Gender Recognition Act is very important. LGBT plus conversion yeah. therapy is still a thing that yeah. is legal in the UK. So the thing, especially with trans yes. people. They want to, yeah, uh, trans people's rights are under attack. Yeah. Uh, really horrible attack, savage attack right now. So, yeah, important to turn out for that. I would I'll plug Reclaim Pride on the 24th and then the subsequent trans rights protest. Unrelated. Uh, but still a trans rights protest on the 6th of August as well. So those are the things I'd like to, to bring to people's Fantastic. attention. And I would ask everyone to be good to one another. Um, it, it, the the yeah. idea of persecuting uh, people for being different to you is is just a bizarre waste of your life. The, the capitalists use prejudices to yeah. divide us, when really we should be teaming up against don't them. Be, don't be divided. So Support one another. It's it's hot this time of year. Be sweaty, but always. Don't be use fun. your life to hate others. It's it's such a waste of time. Just be good. Uh, that's the end of the podcast. Uh, Scott, if All you right. wanted, if you wanted to find you on the internet, where would they find you? Uh, you can check out my Instagram, Scott V A H Scott V A H. On Instagram, I post some modelling photos and so on. That's uh, that's Warhammer but modeling. not me modelling, but <laughs> what I'm painting. Yeah, not. Not yet, anyway. Not me modelling. You know, working on that summer body, <laughs> as they say. Uh, that's that's probably the best place to find me. So you also post a lot of those models to the nerd and or geek Instagram page, uh, where they get more likes than my video game post. They go to they go to the nerd and or geek page first because I put hashtags and they get more likes because I put hashtags in them. Whereas on my personal one, it's just for people yes. who follow me. Um, if you want to find me on the internet, I'm currently on Twitter at Cal Doughty, um, while I still wait to get Quickle back one day. If you want to help me out, by the way, Callum by his name. Twitter, Twitter.com slash Quickle and report them for impersonation. <laughs> oh, it's still help going me out. on, is it? Report Twitter.com slash Quickle right. for impersonation. Support, support Pride. Do all of those things. And I'll see you in two weeks' time. Thank you very much for listening. All right. Bye, everyone. Take care.